about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why because we're, we're so doing smart. Most of the things that we're doing. But here's the deal. It's really actually important to recognize that that future self is you and that the choices that you're making today are affecting you. I'm Art Markman. I'm Bob Duke. I'm Jack Anderson in for Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, exercise and sleep. We've talked before about how connected the brain is to the rest of the body. The brain's a part of the body. So one of the questions one could rightly ask is, what's wrong with us? Why are we sleeping as much as we know we should and exercising, knowing that even small amounts of exercise and even a little more time asleep actually increases functioning by a really substantial amount? It doesn't cost anything. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to rent anything. You can just choose to do it. It turns out that exercise really is just engagement of the body in doing things. And there's lots of ways to get that. Lots of people go to the grocery store, let's say. We fight over the spaces that are closest to the entrance to the store, and then we don't get much of a walk-in. But what if we redefine good as being closest to the entrance of the parking lot that is nearest to the street? So you're not close to the store, but you don't have to fight over those spaces because nobody wants them. And then you get to walk across the parking lot. <laughs> I think we respond to what our bodies are telling us in the moment, right? And if we're hungry, we get all kinds of signals from our body that we need to go find some food to eat. We don't necessarily respond to the signals of sleepiness in the same way. We don't think, I'm really yawning a lot, even in the morning when I haven't been up for that long, and I'm really sort of nodding off all the way through the day. That doesn't really translate into, I need to get to bed earlier tonight and actually get a few more hours of sleep and start to make that my routine. Because there's really no thing that we can do immediately to change that. You know, if we're hungry and we eat, the hunger subsides pretty quickly. But if I'm sleepy and I'm in a place where I can't just lay down and take a nap and I've got to now plan for getting to bed earlier and that kind of thing, the distance between the time that I'm being affected and then the time that I can actually do something about it, that distance makes it difficult to really make the changes that I need to change. A lot of people who are raising children find that they are utterly devoted to what their kids are doing until their kids go to sleep at night, which could, as they get older, be 8.30, 9 o'clock, 9.30 at night. By the time it's 9.30, that's about the time to start winding down and getting yourself ready to go to sleep. But if that's your first moment where you are not taking care of someone else, then you think, but I need some time for me. And of course, that's true. You do need some time to pursue some of your own goals. We have to reconsider the way that we engage our life in general. Art's example about the parking lot is a really important one because we tend to think if it has to do with sleep or exercise or changing our diets or whatever, that everything needs to be done in a way that's a big deal and really effortful and really time consuming. When in fact, small things actually accumulate in positive ways that make differences over time. I think the sleep thing is a big one because we have many ways in our contemporary society of keeping ourselves awake. And a lot of what we're doing that keeps ourselves awake is engaging enough mentally that it's hard to quiet our minds from that to now a quiet home in the dark falling asleep. And that transition is difficult. So a lot of times I think people find deliberate ways 
to calm their evening. So they're sort of ramping down, getting to finally crawling into bed and going to sleep. It's not just, I've got TV on, I'm watching a movie, TV goes off, now I'm going to go to bed. Well, that's really hard transition for your brain to make that is different from, say, reading a book on a sort of dim light and that kind of thing, and then going from there to being asleep. I think we also are really quite socially disconnected from our future selves. And as a result, we don't really see the choices that we're making at any given age as actually hurting ourselves. We think, well, I might be doing damage to my future self, but we're treating that future self as if it's somebody else. (laughs) As opposed to that day you wake up and realize that future self is you. Yeah, yeah. Mike Roizen has developed this concept that he called the real age. He took an economic concept of net present value, which is sort of to take the future assets that you have and ask, what are they worth right now? And he did that as a way of trying to get people to think about the impact of their actions that are going to affect their future self by giving them a value today. The idea behind real age was you might be 50 years old, but how old are you in your real age? So if you've treated your body and yourself well, then you're a 50-year-old who's really 30. Yeah. But if you treated yourself really badly, you're a 50-year-old who's really 70. And the idea is that you could then look at the behaviors you could perform that would lower that real age as a way of thinking about, even though those behaviors might not make you feel better today or even feel better in a week, they are having that long-term impact as a way of bringing you closer to that future self. And so I think the psychological power of that idea is that it connects you socially to that future self. Yeah. We underestimate how these things project into the future in terms of our future health. What you're doing as you're actually managing your life and managing how your body is being treated and cared for is not only affecting how you feel right now, it's affecting your long-term health and well-being. Physical health and physical well-being is related not only to your mental capacity to just function in terms of solving problems and that kind of thing, but also your attitudes about just the way you see the world and how you view the experiences you have and how strongly you react or don't react to the things that come at you. So often those kinds of things about self-care seem to be like the extra stuff you know, when I have time, I'll do that. Not recognizing that avoiding attention to those aspects of your well-being actually makes you less productive and less able to function effectively on the things that you've decided or that someone else has decided you have to do. We use the language often, I have to do this. I may have put myself into a situation in which today I have to do this, but is it really obligatory in that way? The big picture here is, We have to really pay attention to all of the factors that are creating what our life looks like and then ask ourselves how many of those things are actually obligatory. Next week, we'll talk about labels with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. Our engineers are David Alvarez, Jake Perlman, and Michael Crawford. I'm Jack Anderson in for Rebecca McEnroy, and I co-produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas. You can listen back to this show or any of our archive shows at KUT.org and subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.